So today I want to talk about shoes, the process I go through for buying shoes, how I select what shoes I want. It's very intentional. It's not like just trying on some shoes and deciding this one's good. I'm going to wear this one. I am very intentional with it and I have a process for how I select shoes. And so I see questions about buying shoes in my running groups all the time from like ultra running to beginner runners kind of across the board. And the answers always annoy me because there's usually a ton of comments and it's just usually like, you know, this shoe's good or like Asics, this, 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 or Hoka that. And people are just recommending the shoes that they like to wear. And the thing about shoes, there's a reason there's so many brands that are so successful with tons of different types of shoes. It's because shoe preference, you know, is preference. It's, it's very subjective to the individual and what they like. So when I see all these comments of people recommending this shoe or that shoe, it's like, well, you're just saying what you like. It, it doesn't help guide the person to actually find a shoe that works well for them with what they like. So I wanted to actually make like an ultimate guide to the steps you should take before buying a shoe, especially if you don't have a lot of experience with running shoes. Like if you're just getting in the running and there's so many options and you're not sure what to pick, um, don't listen to someone's recommendation because they're just recommending what they like. So instead, I'm going to give you a framework that you can just figure out how to buy your own shoe. And it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. So the first thing that I do before I buy a shoe is I take note of what shoes I'm currently wearing. So, you know, this is a little bit harder if you are just getting in the running and you've never had any type of running shoe ever. It's a little bit hard when it comes to that. But if you do have a, you know, current shoe that you wear, even just that's a running shoe that you walk around in, you can use that as a good base model. If you like this shoe, then look up the specs of the shoe. Like, um, specifically what is the drop and what is the stack of the shoe and if you've never heard those terms before we'll get into that a little bit later but you know just take a look at the shoe things you like about the shoe you know it could be you know take note of how it feels like does it feel spongy or is it a little bit stiffer like what do you like about that shoe the second step is decide what the shoe is used for so i personally i like road shoes I like road running shoes and even though I run on trails quite a bit, pretty much all the races I do are usually on trails. I just don't like the feel of trail running shoes. They feel kind of stiff to me. Um, I don't like the way the tread feels when my foot hits the ground. Um, I just don't like it. So even if I'm doing a trail race or trail run, I usually use road running shoes and there's advantages and disadvantages to that, but that's just what I like. So, you know, just because you plan to run on trails or just because you plan to run on the road, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to buy a specific shoe for that purpose, but it's just a good starting point. Uh, what is this shoe going to be used for? So like when I select a shoe, usually it's like, okay, I'm going to use this as like an everyday trainer type of thing. Um, and I'm usually going to have like two or three pairs that might have a little bit of difference to it. But usually it's just, I want to shoot. It's very versatile that I can use on all surfaces and that that works for a variety of purposes. So that's usually how I feel about that. Uh, the third is decide what feel you want. So I like a um, stiffer shoe, into, or I should say a firmer shoe. So if you notice the cushioning on the shoe, some shoes are very spongy and a lot of people like that. So like, for instance, um, Hoka tends to make a more spongy cushioned shoe. So it feels like your foot, when it hits the ground, sinks a little bit. Some people love that. Some people swear by that. Again, it's like personal preference. Um, I don't like that feel. I like to have a dense feeling cushioning so that when my foot hits the ground, I don't feel like I'm sinking. I just personally feel like it makes 
almost more effort when I run. Like it feels like it's harder for me to get my cadence to a good amount and get my foot turnover to be quick. So I like having some feedback from the ground. I like feeling a little bit of the ground when my foot hits it. For that purpose, I like shoes that generally are a little bit denser, that don't have as much give to them, which again is my personal preference. But that's something to think about is do you want to feel the ground a little bit more? Do you want a shoe that's spongy? Do you want a shoe that's less spongy? And there isn't necessarily a right or wrong answer to that. I think a lot of people go with spongier shoes because they think that provides more cushioning and that it will be easier on their joints, which really isn't the case. It, it's more your personal preference. Like what do you like to feel when your foot hits the ground? So that's something right there to take into consideration. And, you know, so you have these first three steps kind of laid out of what current shoes am I wearing? Like what are the specs of that? Um, what am I going to use this shoe for? What kind of feel do I like on my shoe? So you have that kind of going into it. The fourth is probably the most important, which is establish your desired shoe specs. So this is where we get into the drop in the stack. So if you think about a shoe, even though it looks kind of flat, it's not usually. Usually there is a little bit extra cushioning on the heel as compared to where your toe is. So this is what's called the drop. The drop or the offset is the difference in thickness of the cushioning between your heel and your toe. So say you have 30 millimeters of cushioning on your heel, but you have, you know, say 25 on your toe. So this would be a five millimeter drop. So that's the difference between your heel and your toe. And if you've never heard of this before, which I had never heard of this before when I first started getting the running, well, I shouldn't say I never heard of it, but I didn't really understood, like understand what it meant. So when I first went out to get my first like real pair of running shoes that I was going to use to train for my first marathon, uh, I'd read some articles of like a flat shoe, zero drop promotes a more natural foot strike. And this is actually a better shoe to wear. Now, whether or not that's true, like I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's completely true. There's like some truth to it. But I went out and got a zero drop shoe. It was a Nike shoe. I don't remember the model. You know, I got this zero drop shoe, like perfect. I have this natural foot strike. This is going to be a great thing to train in every day. Um, and I didn't really understand what it meant to have a zero drop shoe. So I did all my training runs in this one pair of shoes. And I made it about two months before I started having a ton of pain in my Achilles um, on top of my foot. And I was like, what is going on? Like it got to the point where I had to stop training, you know, which I was on a time crunch for my first marathon. So it, it kind of screwed me in terms of my training. And I started looking stuff up and then, you know, I looked up Achilles tendonitis. I was like, oh, I have all these symptoms for sure. Like I have Achilles tendonitis. And I also had something called, I believe it's extensor tendonitis where the tendons that run from like your toes uh, over the top of your foot are inflamed. So I, I had these injuries that were really holding me back from training. Like it was just like, I thought maybe just randomly they appeared. Like maybe since, you know, I hadn't done a lot of running before, like this training was too much, which kind of was, but also was my zero drop shoes. It was primarily that that caused it because when you're running, it may seem like, you know, five millimeters, 10 millimeters is a very minimal amount of distance, but it actually makes a big deal. Cause when you're running, you're just doing hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of reps. So this has a lot of wear over time. Like one run has so many steps in it that this is actually going to be a very noticeable thing, your, your drop. So I didn't understand that if, you know, I've been running primarily, I think I, I wore ASICs a lot, which usually have like a 10 millimeter drop or a 12 millimeter drop. I went from that to zero and that 10 millimeters 
it makes it when your foot hits the ground. Um, if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see, but I'm holding my hand straight. Uh, when your foot hits the ground, um, if you have a zero drop, you know, think of your hand being flat and it makes your Achilles stretch more as you go into that next step. Now, if you have like a 10 millimeter drop, then it makes that your foot, your heels a little bit more elevated. So when you're going to take your next step, it doesn't cause as much of a stretch on your Achilles and there's a little bit less stress on it. And, you know, if the question is like, is this good or is this bad? It's, it's not really either. I think it's beneficial to have a zero drop um, and to have full like range of motion in your Achilles and in your foot and have strength through that range of motion. It's not something you can jump to really quick. So if you're used to a higher drop shoe, this is why I said take note of your current shoes. If you're wearing like a Brooks shoe, for instance, usually they're about 12 millimeters in drop. So if you're wearing a Brooks shoe, you probably don't want to buy a Hoka shoe, even if it feels good, because that's an eight millimeter difference in the drop. And that's going to be a significant amount of extra stress placed on your Achilles. So it's really important to take note of the current shoes you have. Um, versus the shoe you're buying. So you don't make the mistake I did where you just go straight into a lower drop shoe and then you have all kinds of issues because your body isn't adapted to it and doesn't have enough time to adapt to it. So that's a very important thing. Um, the stack is basically how much cushioning is in the shoe. So, you know, the drop is the difference between the heel and toe, but the stack is how much, how many millimeters of cushioning you have in your heel and um, in your toe area of the cushioning. So, you know, this is again like pretty subjective i like a moderate to higher stack so like usually i choose a shoe that has you know roughly 28 to 30 in the heel uh, which i would say is a little bit on the upper end of cushioning uh, i like the way it feels as long as it's stiff if you're a beginner and you've never had a running shoe before, then I personally think you, it, you would be best served to start with a little bit more cushion shoe just because you're not used to running and you can always work your way down later. And the same thing with the drop, I would start a little bit high and see how that feels. So like if you're a beginner, then I would recommend a shoe that has at least eight millimeters of drop. I think 10 can be a sweet spot for a lot of people just starting out where it's not, it's not low, but you know, I think 12 is just a little bit, it, like excessive generally. I don't think it's necessarily needed. And you can get to a point where it's kind of changing your foot strike because of the, the extra amount of cushioning in the heel. In terms of the stack, I think you would probably be safe as a beginner to get somewhere around a 30 millimeter stack. I don't know if I would go much below that. Something in the 30 to 35 range could be good. Um, these And these are just general recommendations, but I wouldn't go with too low of a stack because then it's less cushioning, which obviously makes that, you know, if your feet aren't conditioned for, you know, slamming the pavement, it's going to be a little bit rough. So I would go a little bit higher of a stack, a little bit higher of a drop. Um, so one of the other things is shoe purpose. You know, like, what do you want this shoe to do for you? How do you plan to use it? You want to use it across all seasons in like winter, summer, or, um, or are you like looking for a specific like winter type shoe, or maybe you'd want some more waterproof abilities, less breathability. Uh, are you going to use this every day as training? Is this more of a long run shoe? You know, like, what do you want to do? Like, so when I pick a shoe, generally, I want a shoe that can do it all decently well. I want something that's kind of all season that I can use every day that I can use on long runs. Um, and the other part that I didn't know about when I first started buying shoes was that they have like, like neutral and stability shoes. And I think there's like another one that I 
can't remember right now. But so if you think about when your foot hits the ground, a neutral shoe is just completely uh, flat from the edges of it. So like it doesn't have any type of tilt and the cushioning doesn't have any type of tilt. A stability shoe uh, keeps you from over pronating. So I really should have researched this before the video. Uh, I forget now because I've never I've never really gone for stability shoes. But basically, if your foot hits the ground and your ankle kind of collapses inward, then a stability shoe has more padding on the uh, I guess it would be the inside of the shoe, and it keeps your ankle from collapsing in as much. Now, this is kind of a controversial thing. I I don't really think stability shoes are great because it's the same concept as a uh, orthotic like insert is all you're doing is kind of putting a cast on the problem. You're not actually addressing the issue of like your movement patterns. So you can try to fix that with a shoe, but you're really like you long-term, you really need to deal with the underlying issue that's causing your gait to be that way. So it's not to say that it's bad, but I would recommend most people start off with a neutral shoe, you know, before diving into anything else and just see how that works for you. Uh, is it generally a, a, a good thing like across the board to just go with a neutral shoe and then you can always adjust from there if you need to. Um, the other thing is getting fitted. So like now that you have all these shoe specs in mind, you've kind of decided what you want, what you want your drop to be, what you want your stack to be. You know, I would go into buying a shoe with like a range of like, you know, for a beginner, like I want my drop to be no lower than eight um, and no higher than 12, like maybe somewhere closer to the 10 region, my stack to be, you know, 30, 35 millimeters in the heel, something like that. And you can go into your shoe buying with a range of like, this is what I want. Okay. And, um, I would go to an actual shoe store to get fitted where they have, or I don't know if you can find another way to do this, but like have those little, I don't know what you call them, machines or devices that they use to like measure your feet exactly so you can figure out your size. You'd be surprised how easy it is to be a little bit off. Like if you, even if you're off on your size by a half size, you know, it could be easy to get into a shoe and like, yeah, this fits right. But maybe it's like a half size too big, a half size too small. This can actually really impact your running. It can really impact your foot, mess with your feet a little bit. So getting fitted and actually figuring out your actual sizes is really important for selecting the shoe. And it's easiest to do that in a shoe store. Uh, the next part is, again, probably controversial. But I would say, you know, a lot of shoe stores offer a gait analysis. We run on the treadmill. They look at your gait and then they make a shoe recommendation based off of that. Essentially, this is mostly just a gimmick to sell you shoes where like you can go on this thing and you're like, oh, yeah, this shoe would be really good for like your running style because you do this. It's mostly a gimmick because all they're looking at is your feet. And like there's there's so much more running is a full body movement. And there's so many problems that can occur. And a lot of the problems in the feet happen because there's something wrong with like stuff above the feet. So looking at just the feet really doesn't tell you much of anything. And the people in the shoe stores, even if they're credentialed, which a lot of times they're not, they're just kind of people there that have a general knowledge of shoes. They're just not going to be able to really dissect your gait and make you a good recommendation based off of that. So I would ignore that and probably not even participate in, in a gait analysis. If you want to get a gait analysis, get it from someone who actually is an expert in that type of thing. It can actually assess your form properly. Just a personal recommendation, Paul Howell, uh, he's creator of the Slim Method. I did a podcast with him a while ago. He offers gait analysis and um, they're very good. He's helped me a lot with recognizing the issues with my form and things I need to fix. So he's fantastic. I would recommend him if you're looking for an actual real gait analysis from an expert who can 
help you. But if you're not going to do that, then um, I would, you know, not really pay attention to it. Um, the next part is kind of simple. Does it feel good? You know, because I, I found a lot of times with shoes, it, it a lot of it, if it matches the specs that I'm looking for, and I have multiple shoes that match the specs I'm looking for, then I just go off of what feels good. Because a lot of times your initial impression when you put on a shoe is going to be correct. You're like, mm, I don't like this. Then like, you probably shouldn't go with it. You probably don't talk yourself into buying a shoe because you think you should like it or you think you should wear it. You know, allow yourself to just trust yourself and say like, this feels good. This doesn't feel good. And, you know, use that as a guide pole within the, the confines of the shoe specifications that you've decided like to drop in the stack. So um, with all that being said, uh, I'll just give you like my shoe preferences and see like how I kind of organize it in my brain. So then you can kind of lay this out for yourself and what you want. So when I want a shoe generally, like when I'm looking to buy a new shoe, first thing is I want a wide toe box. And this is, this could be a whole nother podcast, but generally shoes are a little bit slim in the toes and you don't have room to spread your toes out. And this actually can impede your foot function and cause problems over time. Even bunions, like there's a lot of issues that can arise out of not having a wide toe box it's becoming more popular for shoes to make wider toe boxes but it's hard to find a shoe that matches that criteria and all the specifications you want so i would say this with the wide toe box i would try to find one that's a wider toe box if you can but if not and if you can't find a reasonable option for you know the price point you want then you know go with whatever shoe it's just something to be aware of that a wide toe box is probably better, but that's something I look for. I want a wide toe box um, in terms of the drop. So I, you know, after my problem with my zero drop, I went up to eight an eight millimeter drop with the Saucony Ride 13s. And that, you know, seemed to take away any issues I had, but I would like to get down to a zero drop eventually. I want to be able to have like a natural foot strike. I want to have full range of motion and strength in my foot. So I'm working my way down to that. So right now I'm running in a five millimeter drop shoe uh, with the intention to drop lower than that over time. I've spent about two years transitioning, you know, eventually down to a zero drop shoe. But right now I'm at a five. So that's kind of my criteria of like, I really don't want a shoe that has anything more than a six millimeter drop. If anything, I want to go lower. So like five and below is what my, my drop uh, criteria is. In terms of the stack, I like something that's somewhere in the vicinity of 30 millimeters. That feels good to me. It feels like I have a decent amount of cushioning, but not a lot. Uh, this is something I ran into recently. I bought a new pair of shoes. I love the Topo Phantom shoes. I like the original Topo Phantom. Um, and it meets everything I want. It had a five millimeter drop. It has a like uh, a dense or less spongy um, cushioning. And, you know, it has, I think, a 30 millimeter stack. Yes, yeah, 30 millimeter stack. So it has everything that I'm looking for, everything that I want in a shoe. And I recently bought the Topo Phantom 2, and they increased the stack in the 2 to 33 millimeters. And it feels spongier. I just don't like it as much. Um, I kind of wondered outside of the criteria that I know I like in a shoe. And it just doesn't quite feel how I wish it would. So, you know, even even I like have all these criteria set up and I still kind of ignore them and then it didn't work out quite as well. But um, so I'm looking usually for a 32 millimeter or less stack and then eventually into a zero drop. Obviously, you know, feel is important. 
Um, and for the most part, you shouldn't have to break in your running shoes. Like they shouldn't, this is, you know, usually the term breaking in is used because someone has a shoe that they really shouldn't be wearing. So like, I just need to break them in. And really what they mean is all the issues that I have with the shoe that make it uncomfortable will be reduced when, you know, my foot stretches it out a little bit because it's too tight or, you know, the toe box is too, um, too tight in on my toes and it doesn't feel good and eventually it stretches out a little bit because my toes force it to over the course of time. So like really you shouldn't have to go through a break in period with your shoes from the first run to your last run with them. They should feel comfortable and, you know, maybe shoes will wear over time and your feet will hurt a little bit as the cushioning gets um, worn down. But in terms of the feel of the roominess of it and everything that should feel good from start to finish. Um, and just to give you some shoe examples of like Brooks Ghost is a very popular shoe. Most of the shoes Brooks makes have a 12 millimeter drop. The Ghost has a 12 millimeter drop. The heel stack is 36 millimeters at the heel and 24 at the toe. Uh, it's a neutral shoe and it's 9.9 ounces. Now the weight, I don't really take much consideration into the weight. Um, maybe if you, you know, are a more advanced runner, that's something you would look at, but I don't think the weight is as important as comfort and your drop and your stack. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, most of your Hoka shoes are going to be like four or five millimeters for the most part. Um, Saucony tends to be around eight, maybe 10 millimeters. Um, I think Saucony can be a good shoe for a lot of people. Again, you know, your personal preference, but just, you know, something to think about. I th Saucony has a good like drop and stack generally for beginners. However, you know, if the shoe doesn't feel good to you, then obviously don't get it. Um, Topo is my favorite brand by far. They make really good shoes, very durable shoes that don't tear, that don't have any problems like that. Theirs are usually in the five millimeter drop range or zero drop. Um, Ultra makes zero drop shoes. Um, Solomon also makes zero drop shoes. I would, if you're like newer to running or you are running in a shoe consistently that has anything over like a five millimeter drop, then I would avoid Ultra and Solomon for your shoes because they make like pretty much exclusively just zero drop shoes. So definitely um, look for something with a higher drop than that. Uh, but that is my criteria for buying shoes. And when I establish that, so I'm gonna run through it again real quick. And hopefully this helps you the next time you're looking to purchase a shoe. So like t figure out what shoe um, you're wearing right now, like what its current specs are, the drop and the stack. And like, okay, I probably don't want to go much below this drop and stack. You know, if you do go below that current shoe just by a little bit um, so your feet can adapt to it and you're not stressing yourself too much. If you're a beginner, aim for something in the 8 to 12 millimeter drop range. And if you want, you can work your way down over time, but I would not work your way down very fast. So I, I would go down, you know, if you're wearing, uh, you know, if you get an 8 millimeter drop shoe, go down to a 5. Don't go down to like a 3 or something like that. Try not to go down more than a few millimeters uh, to give your body time to adapt. And you can do this over the course of a year or two, like I am to work down to a zero drop shoe. But again, it's just like a consideration. Um, decide what your shoe is going to be used for primarily, um, decide what feel you want, sponginess, what you like, what you don't, um, establish what your desired shoe specs are, you know, figure out what drop and stack is best for you, um, research some of it and stuff, look up all these shoes, um, and get fitted and make sure you know your exact size. I wore 10s for a while and I also wore some 11s and then I found out I'm actually a 10 and a half, which is something I wouldn't really have thought of before. And 10 and a half is a beautiful fit for me. So I really recommend that. 
um, ignore the store gate analysis. Don't really worry too much about that. Um, if anything, just, you know, it, it would be helpful if you could get that video to then, you know, I don't know, give to someone or like get a professional gate analysis, but don't worry too much about what running stores tell you. Um, figure out if the shoe feels good. So like, this is why I think, especially if you're buying a running shoe for the first time, uh, figure out what feels good. Go try on a bunch of shoes, like, you know, go do some research and find some shoes that match the drop and stack you want. Then go into a store and be like, I'm looking for shoes with, you know, roughly this drop or this stack. Um, or, you know, look it up online and tell them I would like to try on this Saucony or, you know, this Hoka, whatever it is, try them on. And if it feels good, then that's like a solid consideration. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and, and with price point, you know, it, don't be afraid to go for a budget shoe. If you're just starting out, like go for a, a cheaper shoe, you know, it, cause it can get really expensive to buy running shoes. And a lot of times, uh, like a lot of the shoes I like, unfortunately, are like $140, which is like rough to deal with. But if you want, you know, if you're very specific and wanting like wide toe boxes and specific drops, it's hard to find good shoes for a decent price. However, you know, it's no problem if you're just starting out to get a $60 shoe, $80 shoe. Um, I would probably, you know, price doesn't always mean value, but I probably wouldn't dip too far below like 60 bucks because a lot of times there is just some quality concerns once you get into that low of a level. But uh, yeah, so I think that about sums it up. And I hope this helps you buy your first shoe and actually be able to figure out what you want and find a good shoe that works for you. I think that is about it. So if you're listening to this on audio, you know, subscribe to my podcast. If you want more stuff, I usually talk about running because that's what I like. Um, if this is YouTube too, I would appreciate a subscribe or a like, anything like that. Um, if this gave you some value. So uh, yeah, that is the ultimate shoe guide. Hope you guys have a good one.